Uh, good morning and welcome. You know, as we have entered into this month of June this week, I uh, just want to put a little challenge before you, okay? And I want you to pray about just sharing your faith with at least one person every week, okay? Maybe, maybe for some of us, that's not a challenge, okay? But I think for maybe others, it, it, it is a challenge, and we need to be doing that. And so I'm going to ask you to share your faith with at least one individual, somebody, um, you know, somebody that doesn't know the Lord, whether you know them or not. Um, basically, they, they need Christ in their life. And so uh, pray about that. And uh, remember, as we've been looking here in the book of Revelation, uh, that's one of the overcoming principles. Amen. And uh, we, want to, uh, we want to overcome and I think when it comes to that, oftentimes it's overcoming our fear, our fear of rejection and uh, our fear of what people might think or say about us. Uh, but uh, when we do that, when we step out, remember, we're called to be witnesses. That was one of the things that the Lord said, that when the Holy Spirit would come upon us, we'd be witnesses. And uh, it's so important that we share our faith because not only does it impact the lives of other people, it's uplifting. It's an uplifting thing in our own particular life. We're encouraged. We're, we're given a, a greater degree of, of, of boldness uh, to share even more. Uh, with that, let's turn to, we're in Revelation, and let's, we're going to look at uh, verses 11 through 18 this morning, and we entitled this message, Big Brother is Coming, and uh, you know what that means, right? Uh, uh, that's uh, sort of slang for the, the government uh, taking over your life. And if you think, <laughs> if you think uh, that's happening in a big way now, uh, you've seen nothing yet. Uh, and we're not going to see this, praise God. Amen. Uh, John writing here, he says, uh, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he performs great signs so that, even, or so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs uh, which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast and telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that, no one may buy, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And so then here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. I think that's probably the world's most famous knowledgeable number, because nobody Nobody ever wants that number. Um, if you get that in your license, 
ID or on your license plate. I'm sure like any of us, we're running right to the DMV. Please change this for me. Let's pray, Father. We are so thankful, Lord, that we have Jesus Christ. Lord, uh, the world even now has its own version of the Antichrist. Lord, John tells us in his epistles that the spirit of Christ is already at work. The spirit of Antichrist is already at work uh, in the world today. And Lord, as we, uh, as we consider this future time, Lord, um, may you give us illumination. May you give us understanding. Uh, Lord, uh, may we be ready. May we live with a sense of eternity. Lord, so often our perspective is, is earthbound. And Lord, we want to be, Lord, we are heavenbound. Lord, we want to be heavenly minded. Lord, uh, so often, Lord, we are so earthly minded, we may not be much heavenly good. But Lord, we want, uh, we want to be focused upon you. Lord, want to live for you. Want to honor you and glorify you. So, Father, uh, we pray this morning as we consider these things that you would speak. Speak, Lord, uh, uh, your truth, Lord, into our lives, into our hearts. And, Lord, uh, even as, Lord, we know that we will not be in this future time if we are in Christ. Uh, yet, Lord, in here we find a message. We find a message to those who, Lord, uh, don't know you as of yet. Lord, those who... Lord, will be in that time, and they will know when this time comes that they are uh, in this awful period, but they will also know what to do, what not to do. So, Lord, you're, you're giving us, you're equipping us with a message here, Lord, for, for many, uh, Lord, uh, many of those that we know, many of those that we love, and um, Lord, uh, those that uh, we are uh, acquainted with in some particular way, so... Lord, bless your truth to our hearts, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you've heard this expression, uh, things are not what they appear to be. Well, that's certainly going to be true during the tribulation period uh, because it's going to be the, time, the greatest time of deception that this world uh, has ever seen. And that is simply because uh, humanity has rejected truth. Uh, remember, we were reading in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 uh, when uh, the world... Uh, uh, rejects the truth of Jesus Christ, that basically they're going to be turned over to this great deception. And this great deception is this, this particular time and the, the spirit of Antichrist is living in the world even now. <clears throat> but at that point will be the Antichrist. He will come on the scene and he will be calling the shots. And it's going to be a horrific time uh, that no one, we can't even begin to imagine. Uh, sometimes we see and read about historically some of the times uh, you know, I, I have been a sort of a uh, historical uh, student of World War II and many of the things that took place uh, as that event took place uh, just a few years before I was born. And uh, when you read about some of the horrific things that took place in that war, um, you know, it was, it's been one of the things that have kept us from a world war, I think, over the last 70 years. Uh, but when we think about that war, that, that pales in comparison to this period uh, that is coming upon uh, the earth and upon the world. And sometimes as we read these things, it, it's almost uh, unrelatable to us because we can't imagine uh, this awful time, but certainly it will come as the Bible speaks of it. Now, as we looked at uh, last week, uh, verses 1 through 10, uh, as if one dreadful beast was not enough, enough we find another beast here uh, coming on the scene, but not quite as frightening as the one before. 
Uh, he, he's not quite fright, as frightening as him, uh, even though it may, it may be in certain respects, he may be more deadly. But he comes, he comes basically uh, in, as a messianic figure. He comes as a Christ figure. And, and so he comes, we know that, that he basically comes in a sense in, in a peaceful kind of a way. Uh, but we see here, because he comes in a disguise, uh, that people will be readily and evilly, easily rather deceived. That's why it's important uh, to live by the truth. We need to know the truth. Because even as a believer, you know, you can be deceived. Uh, I, I've seen many Christians, you know, over the course of my, you know, walk with the Lord, uh, fall into different areas of deception about, you know, certain things. Uh, one of the things that I've seen <clears throat> of late, particularly since the advent of the uh, Internet, um, you know, people perusing and, and, and hanging out on the Internet, uh, getting caught up in false doctrines. And, uh, and it's amazing how it just pulls them out of church. It pulls them out of church, and it's just, you know, very, uh, very cleverly designed, uh, you know, by our adversary. But again, as we, you know, Jesus said, you'll know the truth, or truth will set you free. The more you know the Word of God. You know, that's why Paul said, you know, he commended the, Bere the Bereans, rather, that even what he said, he wanted them to measure that against the Word of God and against the Scripture. Uh, one of the things that we find sometimes in religious circles is personality cults, you know, where people just, you know, whatever the guy says, you know, whether he's some, you know, some flash-in-the-pan evangelist or some, you know, some pastoral figure, um, you know, or just some, you know, some, some you know, a very impressive religious figure that comes along, has great maybe speaking ability, uh, and people just sort of get swept away in that, you know, and maybe perhaps in the emotion of it and sometimes in the deception of it, uh, just because, you know, they, they trust this person. Um, it's important that we know, you know, the Bible, the Word of God. I remember many, many years ago there was a really um, uh, exceptional uh, speaker and pastor in the area, and uh, he, was giving, he was giving a seminar um, out in Ontario County where I lived at the time. And, and even out there when he called a meeting, it, it wasn't uncommon for like seven or 800 people to show up uh, midweek. And I remember that uh, uh, I had gone to a conference. I had been attending this, this seminar, and, and, we, <clears throat> and because of all we knew doctrinally, we were kind of you know, somewhat impressed by it. And so we went to this uh, excuse me, conference uh, with Pastor Chuck Smith and just simply teaching the Word and not, not even doing any expose. Actually, he was just teaching the book of Ephesians, and he, and he taught us uh, a couple chapters, and and I remember, because of what the Lord had done, you know, within our hearts during that time, we went back to that, we went back home, and then that next Monday night, we showed up at that meeting, and there it was, seven, eight hundred people, you know, it's filling up this banquet room in a local hotel. And, uh, and so we sat near to the front, uh, you know, we were young Christians, and we were very, you know, very hungry, uh, like many Christians when they're, when they're newly saved, and, and I remember as Margie and I sat there, and this guy was a couple minutes into his, into his talk. And uh, he said some things that uh, uh, were kind of uh, prosperity doctrine related. And I looked at Margie, Margie looked at me and said, this guy's out of his tree. We got up and walked out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the word of God is, is, is protective. It, it, it will prevent you from being deceived. There's, there's a lot of deception going on. Jesus said, remember, the closer we get to his coming, the more that deception will increase. And so we need to be very, very careful and uh, we find that this, these individuals who are key, uh, beast number one and beast number two. Beast number one, 
uh, is sort of a political figure. Beast number two is sort of a uh, spiritual and a religious figure, if you will. Now, as we look at verse 11, we find that we're told, basically, these two individuals, they are going to work in, in tandem. But they have one demonic purpose. Um, and, uh, you know, this one leader here that we look at in this part of uh, thir chapter 13, uh, he doesn't look so threatening. Uh, he has two horns. Uh, remember, uh, the first beast had one, you know, and one of his heads was seven horns. And so as we look at this particular beast, he has maybe less authority and less power than the first beast. But when we look at the fact that when we, 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 we see that he speaks like a dragon, we realize here that his voice basically uh, betrays his true nature. Uh, and when we think about a dragon, we think about symbolically what his revelation told us. It's the devil. It, it's Satan. And so basically he has the voice of a devil. He looks like a lamb. You know, Jesus, remember, he, he warned us about those who come in sheep's clothing. Uh, and outwardly they can deceive. Outwardly they look like the genuine article, but inwardly, that's why I said Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. You'll know them by the deeds and the actions, the behavior, the things that are going on in their life. And so here we find that this beast here, he's speaking with the voice of a dragon. Remember Jesus said, uh, as the great shepherd, the great shepherd, uh, not only the great shepherd psalm, but the great shepherd uh, chapter, John chapter 10, when, when Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice. I can remember as a new believer, so relating, remember, and just as I uh, you know, was learning that verse and that truth, my sheep hear my voice. And I think it's very important here you know, that we're hearing the voice of Jesus. You know, who is our shepherd? Uh, when you look at the world, you know, Jesus looked at the world, he saw them, what is lost sheep. And we're, we're the sheep that were lost and we've been found, amen? But you see, the, the, I think the majority of people, they know that voice. They know the dragon's voice. Uh, and oftentimes we, we, we realize that they are simply deceived by that. And, and really the question is, what voice are we familiar with? What voice? Because the voice that we are familiar with, that's the voice that we're going to follow. And that's why we have to be careful because this culture, this world is always communicating to us another message. And if you will, it's another voice. It's not the voice of the Lord. And I think we're barraged by this because of our, you know, our culture is not a godly culture. We have to understand that. And we have to be careful that we don't get too caught up and drawn into the culture where we're, where we're not only looking like the culture, we're thinking like the culture, we're acting like the culture. We need to be very careful because Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. And how does God speak to us? He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his word, and we need to be attentive to that as, as we are, as we're doing that this morning. Now, he exercises, verse 12 says, all the authority of the first beast in his presence, um, and he causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So what we're seeing here, as we, we remarked last week, we're seeing a counterfeit uh, trinity, uh, but they're basically working as one. And, uh, and this, this second beast here, he's sort of an ambassador of sorts. He's sort of the secretary of state. He's sort of the chief of staff. And he's forwarding the, this evil agenda of the Antichrist. And, he, and he's bringing basically success, you know, to that particular program and that agenda. But what is interesting here when we look at what is the agenda of Satan? 
to be worshipped. To be worshipped. It's interesting how, you know, oftentimes in order to get people to that, it's oftentimes convoluted and complicated. But in a simple sense, the Bible reveals to us that's what the enemy wants. That's what the devil wants. Remember, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Isaiah chapter 14. I want to be like the Most High. He, want, he wants to sit in this, you know, on the throne. He wants to sit, you know, basically, you know, in Zion, uh, in the temple. And he's going to do that. The Antichrist is going to do that. Um, but, but ultimately, it's simply worshiping, you know, Satan and all that he stands for. And I think people get caught up, you know, in the devil's program and they don't even realize it. Of course, there, was those, there are those who are overtly satanic and demonic. You know, we call them Satan worshipers. But if somebody is not worshiping the true and the living God, they're worshiping a lesser God. And the Bible tells us the God of this age is Satan. And, and you know, it's interesting how he fabricates something for everybody. <laughs> he has something for everybody. He, he has a program that will fit everybody's personality, each and every culture. When you look at the cultures around the world and some of the things that they, they consider religious or that they, that they worship, he's got something for every, everybody. Because he knows, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> he knows that <clears throat> man, <clears throat> mankind, is designed to worship. We are worshipers. We love to worship, but sometimes we get caught up worshiping the wrong thing, don't we? I especially find it interesting with guys. Like guys who are like, we, lo we love machinery. And I was just watching an auction. I was just watching this, this Meacham auction. I kind of came across the, uh, one of the channels that I get. And uh, and uh, they they had a they had a car there, and it was like my generation, 1960s. I forget what it was, but uh, one of the things that made it so appealing, it was gorgeous looking. It was gorgeous, looking. It, but it was original. I mean, it, it wasn't a, a, a frame up restoration. It was an original uh, vehicle, and it was awesome. It was totally awesome to look at this thing. And do you know how much money they gave for that thing? This is like a 1960s original car, which probably in 1960s went for somewhere between three dollars and $4,000. Do you know how much money they gave for that thing? Anybody got a guess? How about $640,000? And, and man, when the guy got that, man, like everybody's applauding him. You got it, man, you got it. And he was tickled pink. He was a lot poorer, but he was tickled pink about it. But that's worship. What's that, Tom? His wife wasn't. <laughs> if he had a wife, you know. <clears throat> now, looking at verse 13, we, we, we realize that, that people are going to be absolutely awed you know, by the miracles. But the miracles are basically going to have a twist because they're designed... You know, to deceive. You know, Satan has his version of miracles. He has his version of miracles to deceive people. And I think that they're not just going to be taking place in a future day. I think some of those things are taking place today. 
you know, around this world. You know, when you see people like, for instance, David Koresh or Jim Jones, uh, some of these guys do incredibly satanic, you know, powerful things that deceive people. You know what I'm amazed at when I look at guys like David Blaine and David Field, and I watch how people are just awed by magic. And, and it's not miraculous. Uh, sometimes you look at the, some of those things that David Blaine does, and it almost seems miraculous. Very, very, very impressive kind of stuff. And people are awed by that. But these are going to be satanically inspired signs and wonders and miracles that are basically going to deceive people. And he says, uh, even, he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth uh, in the sight of men. Now, remember, there were two prophets in the Old Testament that could do this. Who? Elijah and Moses. Moses dealing with Egypt and Elijah calling down fire on a couple, a few companies of men that were sent to capture him. But I think one of the greatest miracles is going to be this mock resurrection. Excuse me, mock resurrection. Because we see here three different times, verses 3, verses 12, and verses 14, that basically his deadly wound was healed. And it seemed to be as if he was dead. So it's going to be a mock resurrection. And again, very fitting, wouldn't it be, for the Antichrist to have his own impressive resurrection to deceive people? You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he tells us this. He says, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. And so, you know, Jesus warning about this very thing. Paul uh, warns uh, about it quite a bit. Peter as well, uh, that, these, that there's deceivers. And there's people today even in this spirit of Antichrist. That's why, you know, as I was talking about last week, uh, you know, I've, you know over, the, over the years, you know, people have asked uh, uh, regarding certain world leaders or presidents, you know, um, because of maybe certain things that they're doing. Is that the Antichrist? Well, no, uh, it has not been the Antichrist. And sometimes numerically, uh, the name, you know, there's letters, whether it's Hebrew, Greek, or Latin, uh, they have numerical equivalents. And uh, so people tried to use that uh, to basically uh, calculate uh, their, their name. Did it add up to 666? And, and, and it's interesting. I think Warren Wearsby said, um, you can almost get uh, that to fit anybody's name, depending on what system you use, the Hebrew or the Greek or the, or the Latin uh, system of you know, uh, um, numerical evaluation. Um, but these people come in the spirit of Antichrist. That spirit is in the world today. That spirit has driven prayer in the Bible out of our schools. And it's interesting what is allowed in our schools, but as soon as Christ is brought up, oh my goodness. As soon as Jesus is interjected into the conversation in any kind of way, everybody goes bananas. It's the spirit of Antichrist. And that's why, folks, folks we've got a lot to pray about. One of the things that we've taken up in our men's prayer meeting, and I think you need to be doing it too, praying for your school district. Praying for the school district, for those kids, for mercy and protection and for salvation. 
the world's just become very, very dangerous. And it's not just out there anymore. It's, it's in our midst. And as we've said before, what's taking place? God lifts his hands of blessing and protection on a society has gone like this to God over and over and over again. We're, we're, it's fallen upon us to observe it. We're witnessing it. We're seeing it. But we have to be very careful that we don't just bury our heads like an ostrich. I'm just going to bury my head and wait for the rapture. That's why we need to get out there. We need to be active. Maybe it's time for you to come out of the closet. Just come out of the closet. Because there's a lot of people that don't really know that you're a born-again Bible believer. Well, they'll think I'm a nut. They already think you're a nut anyway. I mean, we're sometimes surprised to think what people do think about us. People need the Lord. People need Christ. Now, looking at verse 14, that the level of cooperation with the Antichrist in his system will be unparalleled. It'll be like nothing seen like since World War II. And I was born right after that, and I can remember, I can remember many of the stories of, of 100% cooperation. You know, the recruiting centers are just filled up with hundreds and thousands of men just signing up. All the rationing that took place, people cooperating with it. And I think the cooperation with the Antichrist, because... Again, it'll be so powerfully deceptive. Well, people will look at this man uh, and, and what he's done, and let's say, you know, they will, they will totally be committed to this cause because they'll feel it's for their, you know, for their own good, for their own welfare. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he has granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by a sword or by the sword and lived. So they're going to be ordered basically to build this image to, basically to this great man, this savior. What, what do we do when we want to honor somebody? We build something. We, you know, we, we homage them in some kind of way and, and honor him. And there's going to be this satanic, great satanic idea. Let's build an a image to the beast of this greatest man. And the thing is, it's going to be the, the, the greatest, uh, the highest type of technology is going to be used in this, in this whole area uh, relative to, uh, to, the, to this image that's going to be, that's going to be uh, used, and no doubt the greatest minds are going to be employed in this whole matter. One of the things that we're told here in verse 15 is that this image can communicate and make decisions. Now, this kind of technology has never been seen before, never been possible until now. And what I'm speaking about is artificial intelligence. We don't even realize how much artificial intelligence plays a part in our lives at this particular time. And basically what it is is computer science is replacing, to some degree, human intelligence. We see it in visual perception. 
you've heard just a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, that Uber developed a car, and they've had this has been this is, they've been working on this uh, with interstate trucking, uh, and um, you know different other you know other systems delivery systems as well. But you heard about Uber. Uh, when they employed their car, it had an accident, and it, 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 I think it hit somebody and injured somebody uh, as they were experimenting with that. So, so we have computer technology now that has visual perception that is somewhat akin to what you and I can perceive with our eyes. And we were kind of a couple of us guys were talking about that the, the, the other night. Uh, I forget who it was I was talking uh, with it about. But it's going to be, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be very difficult. Uh, I, I have a Nikon camera. I bought this Nikon camera to go to Israel. And my grandkids were with us um, uh, over the wintertime. And their kids were out of, they're out of Arizona. So they love being here for the snow. And uh, as you know, in December, we had a, just a ton of snow. And, and I'm, I'm out there building a snowman on a fort with them and all that. So one night I'm out there. And I got my Nikon camera. And I want to take some pictures of them. And the way I could, you know, visually what I could perceive and see of them, it looked like, well, they're over there. They're over there about 50 yards. And, and so I took the picture. And this is with a Nikon lens. This is a pretty decent lens. But when I got the picture back, it was all full of snowflakes. I was able to look through those snowflakes and to see them easily and thinking, well, that's what it's going to look like. But the picture in no way uh, looked like, uh, you know, what I saw. Uh, so this whole area of uh, visual perception is going to be a challenge, I think, for them, uh, especially if they live in Rochester, New York, uh, in the wintertime. Uh, one of the other things, too, is voice recognition. Uh, and we see that that's, that's already out there, uh, basically voice recognition uh, in the area of, uh, uh, you know, making decisions and translating different languages. Like, for instance, this week I was asking Google a question. And, uh, and some of you already have this technology in your home. Alexi? Is Siri, the, is Siri that? Alexa, who's it? what's the other one? Siri. Okay, Siri and Alexa. You already have this in your home where you can ask this thing all kinds of questions. And basically, uh, that's artificial intelligence. They're, they're, they're basically translating. And, and, and Google had to translate because I was looking for a word. I was looking for some synonyms of a certain word that described a whole range of things. And, I, and, I, and I'm groping in my mind, uh, and it was interesting that I shot it to Google, and in less than five seconds, okay, they brought up a whole bunch of synonyms and antonyms and whatever else they needed. And so we're seeing, interestingly, this whole area of artificial intelligence. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, science and, and, and companies are in a race uh, to find, you know, the better mousetrap, so to speak, uh, not only ec for economic security, but also, too, for national security. That's a big thing when, we, when it comes here, when we're talking about cyber you know, security. This is a very important thing. This is not just protecting you and your computer. This is, this is, this is national security. Um, and uh, we, we see how, um, how that's going to play a very important part you know, in the future. Verse 15, so this beast was granted, <coughs> he was granted power to give breath, in other words, give some type of life to this image, uh, image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast uh, to be killed. Now, exactly how this is going to be done, we don't know. Now, I'm just throwing some things out there. But it's interesting when we look at the technology and what it is today, 
and what can be done with it, and also do the whole thing of robotics. It's amazing, isn't it, that, that they can tie robotic, a robotic arm, you know, where you can reach out, you can reach it out, you can extend it, you can, you can retrieve it, you can pick something up. It, it, it is tied in uh, somehow with your, you know, your, your intelligence in some kind of way. Uh, so this beast, we don't know exactly uh, how it's going to, you know, how it's going to work out. But one of the things, too, also, that, that technology, they say our technology doubles in less than two years. Isn't that amazing? I mean, there's so many things that are going on out there in science labs that we have no idea. You know, it's, it's absolutely incredible, you know, what, you know, man has been allowed to do and, and the intelligence that obviously that God has given us. But I think here is what's very apparent is that whatever technology man can build, that basically, regardless of their intention, it can be used for evil. We always say, well, you know, hopefully it'll be used for good, but also it can be used for evil. No, nuclear power. You can power a city or you can blow it off the map. Drugs. They certainly be used to heal people. But they're also used to destroy a lot of people as well. You can take electricity and empower and light up and illuminate an entire city. Or you can take electricity and basically fry a man to death. You know, whatever, whatever technology man uh, can, can use and build for, for good can also be used for evil, and we've seen that really throughout history. Now, verse 16 and 17. The thing about technology is when you control technology, you control the people. When you control technology, you control the population. And what do I mean by that? Look at the many, media has demonstrated this in all of its different forms. Whether it's print media, uh, whether it's, you know, the, whether it's a digital media, uh, look, look at how controlling social media has become. Uh, it was our anniversary this week and took Margie to uh, um, Bonefish Grill. And uh, I was amazed at how many people were sitting around in their digital world, not talking with one another. <laughs> and I'm sure you've noticed it too. I'm sure you've never done it. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> but it just shows you how impacting it is, how basically controlling that it can be. We see that, we see that with, we see that well, we see that, don't we see that with the, uh, with the uh, political media and the media machine? Uh, whenever it comes time to, uh, you know, for um, elections and that sort of thing. Uh, of course, too, the, 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 the media, uh, it's not just with elections anymore. It's all year long. And, and it's amazing, too, how look, look at the angst that you and I will have because of a 24-hour news cycle. I was, I was chuckling with somebody the other day when I said, well, you can, listen to, you can listen to the left media over here and then you can listen to the right media over here. And I listen to this media and I get mad because of lies. I listen to this one, I get mad because of truth. <laughs> and, and so something, you know, as wonderful as the advent of the 24-hour news cycle. It's like, 
I don't want to listen to it. Because I did. I have. I'm, I'm, I'm a news hound. And I've got to control it to like a half an hour at night from 6.30 to 7. That's enough. That, that's, that's enough to get me, you know, riled up just watching that. I don't need it 24 hours. So the point that we're simply making here is, is control. Verse 16, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark, you know, on their right hand, excuse me, on their right hand or on their foreheads. Now, each person is going to receive some kind of ID mark. This ID mark is basically going to be a guarantee. It's going to prove their loyalty. But the question is, how are they going to do that? Uh, it, it, it's probably going to be by some kind of chip or... And there'll probably be, there'll probably be some kind of a tattoo technology where they could tattoo a barcode on you or someplace in your body. You know that IBM just this year, they announced it anyway, just uh, I think in April or May, that they have developed a chip that's smaller than a grain of sand, a grain of, a grain of salt. And in that chip, they have not just a hundred thousands, a hundred, over a hundred, uh, hundreds of thousands of transistors. And that's something basically smaller than a grain of salt. How do they do that? I mean, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And probably within that grain of salt, there probably is the ability of encrypting megabytes of, you know, your personal information. Probably enough to, you know, enough to uh, encrypt your personal information going back to Adam, your family tree going back to Adam. But one of the problems with encryption is there's always somebody out there that can hack your system. And that's one of the big things. That's one of the big things that right now our government is going through is cybersecurity. And they're legally, that was one of the big issues in the Bush administration. Um, that the government could legally hack into your personal information. And, uh, and this is something that uh, is going to eventually take place uh, because it's going to be one of the control mechanisms, you know, whereby the government, where the Antichrist uh, is going to use this to control, you know, people's lives. And he says also, verse 17, that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark and the name of the beast or the number of his name. Uh, so what we see, all these things are going to have to take place uh, in order for there to be a one-world government and a cashless society. Because when you control the money trail, when you control the money and the economy, you basically, and, and again, the media, uh, you control the people. We, we see that, we see that clearly taking place, and he's going to, it's going to be perfected. And as a matter of fact, the whole system is going to be there, and he's just going to basically commandeer it. He's going to be able to take it over and use it uh, for his purposes. Now, again, none of this can happen without a global government. And that's why we find that many people, particularly Christians, have been pushing against some of the political things that would make that an easier thing to happen. That is something over the last maybe 25 years. We've become global economically. And we're probably not, uh, you know, depending on what kind of cataclysmic. Well, there will have to be in order for there to be 
a, um, a one-world economy, there will have to be a collapse. And of course, if you have a collapse like that, you're going to have people that are desperate. I think there'd be a lot of Americans today that if the Russians somehow sent a nuclear, head, head, uh, nuclear uh, bomb into major cities and decapitated our government in Washington, D.C., I think there'd be a lot of Americans say, just please, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just, just give me something to eat. Give me my computer. Just let me have my little life, and we're good. I, th I think there'd be a lot of people who just surrender to that kind of thing. You know, rather than, you know, rather than fight it. The thing about a global government, you know, it's going to make a whole lot of sense at that time. Economic security, national security, you know, all these things. And, and again, too, benefiting the third world nations. That's, that's one of the big things um, that uh, the global initiative is really pushing. They want to, you know, bring these other nations, you know, economically, socially, culturally up to par, you know, with us. And I find it also, too, very fascinating how we are volunteering and giving up our personal freedoms for security. People are just surrendering, volunteering. Okay, I want, I want security. I mean, what, what will precede that is tremendous fear, more terrorism, and it's not even, you know, we can't even blame it on the Muslims anymore. Look what's taking place, the domestic terror within our own society. And, and that's one thing people, that's why even like if you, if you watch Israel over the last 30 years, they were willing to give up land time and time and time again. Why? Security. And they did. They gave up Gaza. Remember that? Just, what was that? Not even, what was it? 10 years ago, wasn't it? 10, 15 years ago when they moved out of Gaza? Had all the Jews move out of Gaza? Security is a very important thing. And people will do anything for it. Now, verse 18 This warning here is not for the church, but it's great wisdom. Great wisdom. And basically what it is for, tribulation saints. And they're going to need it. And they're going to know it when they're in it. They're going to know what's transpiring, what's taking place. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, his number is six. Six, six. Many people tried to do the math and figure it out. You know, who's the guy who, who, whose name comes up with this equivalent of 666? There have been different individuals throughout history, but wrong guy. We're not going to know. We are simply not going to get, we can make an educated guess, but that, that's simply all that it is. See, six is the number of men. Six is the number of man when you look at biblical numerology. Six is the number of man. It's the number of imperfection. One digit short of perfection, number seven. 
Seven is perfection. Seven is the number of God. And so when you have 666, basically what you have is simply total failure. In other words, this, 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 this whole program is the attempts of man to save themselves and redeem themselves outside of God. And this is why God allows it to happen. He allows it to happen because basically they're trying to save themselves. They're trying to improve the world. They're trying to do things without him. And you know what? This is his world, folks. This is our father's world. And we need to tell folks that very message. This world belongs to him, and we belong to him. I am so thankful as I look at this future period that as a believer, as a child of God, we will not be there. But the message here basically is, 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 is directed to those that will need them in that day. And I would imagine... There will probably be many that have heard the message. They've heard this. They've read about it. God has put the truth, you know, in their life and in their mind in some kind of way. But, there's, but they keep saying, well, Jesus, I don't need you yet. I'm going to wait just a little bit longer because I want to have fun. There's not going to be any fun to be had. It's going to be a terrible, awful time. Well, I think the defining question is, as we close with this, what kind of mark do you have? We were just talking about this uh, Tuesday night in Ephesians 2. Excuse me, a couple weeks ago, Ephesians 1, 1, 13. It says for us, as we come to Christ, we're sealed with a seal. In other words, you're marked with a mark. And we, we said before that it was depicted in, in um, ancient art with a halo. But when you come to Jesus Christ, he marks you. And that mark is a guarantee. It basically says, I belong to God. Isn't it interesting? We have a counterfeit mark here. And that's why Jesus... Uh, well, through the Scripture, warns to not take that mark. Because I believe that when people get to that point that God has given them truth, because remember, we've got the 144,000 witnessing. At, at one point, we've got the, you know, the uh, angel flying through heaven witnessing. And one of the things I can remember hearing about this very thing back in the 70s as a new believer is that very thing. Don't take the mark. I can remember reading some of, the, um, some of the books, you know, some of the prophecy books, some of the paperback prophecy books that they were encouraging those who would read them that would find themselves in the day. Do not take that mark. You've got that imprint upon your life. Most important thing. And if you have it, you know it. Can't see it. But you know that you know that you know. If you need that precious mark, 
I'd like to have you stand right now. I'd like to pray for you. Okay. God bless you, Dick. All right. Okay. Anybody else? Please stand up. All right. All right. Father, thank you. I thank you, Lord, for those that have stood. And I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you desire to fill us with your spirit, to give us a new life, a new nature. Lord, the mark is only the, 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 the outward expression of what you've done within our hearts, within our lives. And Father, I pray, I thank you, Lord, for those who had the boldness to stand. And I pray for those who haven't. Lord, grant, I pray, Lord, that openness, that desire, that, Lord, you might fill our hearts and our lives. Lord, we thank you. Lord, uh, not only for deliverance from that awful future day, but the blessings of knowing you, the blessings of your presence, Lord, your life, your power. Oh, Father, how I pray for your strengthening in each, Lord, one of these who stood and in all of our lives. Help us to be witnesses, Lord. Lord, you didn't just mark us and put us on a shelf for a future delivery to heaven. Lord, uh, we are living epistles. Lord, you want us to go out into the highways and byways to communicate, Lord, the message of your gospel. And Lord, this is part of the gospel of God, a, a warning of what is coming upon this world. And Lord, a glorious and wonderful escape. We, we thank you for that. We commit, Lord, ourselves and all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.